0: Welcome to Connect Church. I'm Scott Stringer. I'm the pastor. If you've never been here, again, we're glad that you are here. We're going to continue in our sermon series, Mighty Women. Today, we're going to be talking about a lady named Ruth. Now, we, we kind of are out of order in the preaching calendar, but the reason why is because we wanted to connect Ruth back to Rahab. So last week, we talked about Rahab, and we talked about how she was outside the promise of God, and she was brought into the promise of God through the promise of the red rope, which would really represent uh, us being brought into the promise through the blood of Jesus Christ, but she had a son named Boaz. Ruth is going to run into Boaz today um, in our message, and so we wanted to make sure we made those connections, okay? So before we read our passages, we need a little background, okay? So in Ruth chapter 1, what we see is there's a famine in Israel, and Ruth and her husband and her two sons leave Israel to go to Moab to get food. And so they, they go there, and the Scripture tells us that they're about 10 years. And during that 10 years, a few things happen. One, her two sons get married. That's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is that her husband dies. So now she's a widow. Um, this, is a, this is kind of a big deal. Because at, that, at this time in, in history, in this culture, it's a little bit different than the culture that we live in now. During this culture, your safety, your, your, the way that you're going to be taken care of, ladies would come through your husband and through your sons. Okay, So this was the retirement plan that you would marry, you would have children, sons. Those sons would have lots of children. And when you got old, those children would take care of you. No social security, no plan like that. You didn't lay things back. You just had a lot of kids, and those kids would take care of you. How many of you be in good shape if your kids were going to take care of you? No hands are on me. We got one. We got okay. We got one hand back there. Okay, we got a few. All right, we got a few hands. I I didn't see them. It was dark in here. Uh, straight to the nursing home. Okay. <laughs> I love it. All right. So again. The way to y'all Kate, Kate, you got one picked out. You might need to start touring and seeing, and so yeah, start and start saving up some money. Anyway, so right here we have uh, their retirement plan was to have lots of children, lots of kids, and those kids would then take care of them. And so here, her husband had passed, but within that ten years, something else happened. Happens, her sons pass. Her sons die, and so now she has two daughter-in-laws, but there's no children, no grandchildren for, for Naomi. And so Naomi goes from the promised land to a place outside the promise of God. She goes to find food, her husband dies, her two sons die, and now all she has Uh, left in her life are these two daughter-in-laws. So she turns around and she looks at him and she says, I'm going to go back to the promised land. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And what I need you to do, girls, is I need you to go back to your people. And here's why. Because I'm not going to have any more sons. And if I did have any more sons, if I had any more children, if I had sons, they would be way too young. And so there's really no hope for you, to really get married as you go into Israel. Because going into Israel at this time, these girls would be seen as outsiders. And in this culture, God had had left them a command, I want you to marry within uh, the tribe of Israel. Now, I want you to understand, this is not a racial thing at all. Some people have taken this out of context and made this a racial thing, and they are wrong and that's evil. What it talks about really is within the the promise of God, people who follow God to marry other people who follow God. And we see this commandment also in the New Testament that believers are to be married to other believers, okay? And so it has nothing to do with uh, the color of your skin or the background or the culture that you come from. It only has to do with are you within the promise of God or not. And And here's the reason why, because we see in the Old Testament when the children of Israel would marry outside uh, of the promise or would marry people who worshipped other gods, that those people that they married, those those people that were lost, well, we would use the word lost or outside the promise, they would drag the children of Israel away from God to worship idols. And now they're both, uh, usually in that case, both uh, idol worshippers. They both turn from God instead of the one who is faithful to God, bringing the lost towards God. So, so the, the command was to marry within uh, the nation of Israel for religious reasons. But here we're going to see uh, that Na- uh, Naomi has these two sons that marry outside of Israel. Okay, while they're there, they're going to be there a total of about 10 years. They're there, Naomi's husband dies. But she stays there because her two sons are there. Now this is important, why does she stay where her sons are? Because where her sons are, that's where provision would be. Because for, for women at that time, the provision came through the husband first and then through the sons, that's why it was important to have a son. This was kind of the retirement program, okay? This was their social security plan. You have a lot of kids, and then those kids, when you grow old and you can't work, those kids are going to take care of you. Parents, would you be excited about that right now? Some of you are like, no, I'm still taking care of them. I know. I'm just looking forward to the day where one day I go out and eat with mine, and, and one of them says, I got the check. Man, won't that be a day? That and That would be amazing. And, uh, instead of, instead of, you know, I'm going and, and they already know I'm going to, I love it. I love buying their stuff. I love to bless them. But I can't wait till they bless, you know, until I can bless them by letting them pay for my food. Um, and so that was the, that was the plan uh, back then. And so she had her two sons, so she was staying with her two sons. But towards the end of the 10 years, the two sons also died. And so now it's Naomi with her two daughter-in-laws. Now the two daughter, daughters, or the daughter-in-laws are with her mother-in-law. That's it. That's all that they have. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the promised land. I'm going to go back to, to Israel. She probably has family there. That's her only hope is that, you know, extended family may come alongside and help her. And so she's going to do that. She looks at her two Um, daughter-in-laws and say, look, you go back. We don't want you, I don't want you to stay with me. I want you to go back to your people. In fact, she goes, go back to your people and and, and be a part of your people and worship the gods of your people. Find husbands amongst your people. She says, there's no way I'm going to have any other sons because if I do... They'll be too young, and you can't wait on them. Basically, you're going to be too old by the time they... So you go back to your people. And so with that, we pick up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. After Ruth said, hey, go back. When they heard that, they broke down and wept again. Now, just stop. Now, I want to just say something about... We're going to be talking about Ruth as being a mighty woman, but also Naomi's a mighty woman and here's how we know that. How many of you mother-in-law or daughter-in-laws would cry because your mother-in-law's leaving? Like, not tears of joy. I mean, like, really sad. And, and so, so she had to have this incredible relationship with her daughter-in-laws, and she had to have this godly relationship, some a relationship that conveyed the love of God. And so... They wept again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth held on to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't, don't try to make me leave you and go back. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God." Where you die, I'll die, and there my body will be buried. I won't let even death separate you from me. If I do, may the Lord punish me greatly. Now, you're talking about a mother-in-law. Naomi had to be an incredible mother-in-law for the daughter-in-law to to say this, for Ruth to have this this response to her. Naomi realized that Ruth had made up her mind to, to go with her. So she stopped trying to make her go back. The two, the two women continued on their way. At last they arrived in Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred up because of them. The women in the town asked, Can this possibly be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. The mighty one has made my life very bitter. I was full when I went away. But the Lord has brought me back empty. So why are you calling me Naomi? The Lord has made me suffer. The Mighty One has brought, brought terrible trouble on me. So Naomi returned from Moab. Ruth, her daughter-in-law from Moab, came with her. They arrived in Bethlehem just when people were beginning to harvest the barley. Man, you're talking about heartbreaking. Did you hear just the words of Naomi? Here's Naomi, I, I went away. Full and now I come back empty. I come back really suffering, mourning. She came back to a place to, that she knew, and the people were complex. And like, is this possibly? Can this possibly be Naomi? It it looks like her, but she doesn't have anything. There's nobody with her except for this this one girl here, this Moabite, this non. Israelite woman is with her, and so what's going on here? Well, let's, let's take a step back from Naomi and let's look at, look at Ruth. Sometimes in the middle of our trouble, sometimes in the middle of the torment that we're in, sometimes we overlook the blessings that we do have. You see, Naomi, when she came back, yes, she came back without her husband. She came back without her two sons. She even came back without one of the daughter-in-law, but she did come back with one person. She came back with Ruth. And so she really didn't come back totally empty, did she? No, she had somebody with her. She had somebody that would uh, be with her. Now, this is, I want you to understand that Ruth came back to a place that she knew nobody. The only person she knew was Naomi. And so, what we see first is that mighty women are loyal. Even when times are hard, even when when things are difficult, mighty women are loyal. Women, mighty women stick by and are loyal even in the worst of circumstances. And when I say the worst of circumstances, I mean the worst. Because when Naomi and Ruth show up in Bethlehem, when they show up, they have no man to take care of them, do they? Again, a different culture, different time. I know some of you ladies, I don't need no man to take care of me. I get it, okay? But at this time, they did. They did. They did. They needed a woman that would take or a man that would take care of them and so they had no way they had no way to eat they had no way to make money in fact what we're going to find out is that Ruth is going to have to is going to go out and work in fields and gather barley so that she can bring it back to Naomi so really she came back to take care of her mother-in-law huge huge So Naomi didn't come back empty. She actually came back with this incredible, loyal, mighty woman. In fact, we we know that in this, that she had started to to follow the God of Israel because she said, your God will be my God. She's trusting in the Lord here. And so so here here is Ruth, a loyal woman. Even in the worst and the hardest of situations. So, if you're going to meet a mighty woman, you got to learn to be loyal, even in the hardest times. Now, this is tough, okay? When I say hard times, I mean really hard times. You think about what's going on with Naomi. She has nothing. Everybody's gone. She's probably not in the greatest mood. She's probably crying a lot. She's probably not exciting to be around. And um, you're trying to make her happy. Maybe you even fix her food. If you've ever seen anybody mourn, you fix her some food. You fix it, and it reminds her of the ones that she's lost. And now she's not happy in what you did, but now she's sad. So there's this mourning that's going on, and she's going to go out. Now Ruth's going to go out and work in the fields and bring food and um, um, substance back for them. And so how does that look in in real life? That means that we love even when people can't return to us. Naomi didn't have anything to give Ruth, did, did she? And we might find us, men or women, but we're talking about our mighty women, okay? Men or women. We may find ourselves in a situation where, where the person that we're with or around or trying to encourage can't offer us anything. In fact, the things that we do give is not enough. And, and, and it can cause us to feel less than because no matter what we give, no matter what we provide, it's not enough. Because here's the truth. Unless God provides, it's not enough. And so us, sometimes we are in a situation where somebody's, maybe let's take this situation here, mourning. And we want to make them happy. We want to come alongside them. We want to do what we can. We want to make them laugh. And, and let me just tell you, that hole that's in their heart from the thing that's missing or the thing that they're mourning over, you're not big enough to fill it. But God is bigger than the hole. In their heart. I share that at every funeral that God is the only one that is bigger than the hurt that people experience that day. And, and so, so here, Ruth is still being loyal, even though Naomi has her eyes, spiritual eyes, closed because she's saying, I don't have anything, but she has this loyal woman, her, her daughter in law. She's not completely empty. She has somebody that's going to come along and help take care of her. She's going to have somebody that's going to bring her food. So in this, we then see that Ruth also trusted God. And so mighty women trust God. If if Ruth is going to leave her land and leave her people, and go into a land. And she knew who these people were. Okay? She knew who Israel, the Israelites are, uh, who they were. She knew that if she went into this culture, that most likely, most likely, she wouldn't marry. Why? Because we've already said that Israel has this command not to marry these people that are outside. Not to marry the people that are away from her, out of the promise of God. And so most likely, she's going to be seen as an outcast most likely. And so when she's trusting God, she's trusting to go into this land that, that God would provide. And she's trusting that she would be able to have the, uh, the, uh, the nourishment that would come through the hands of God. And here's how this kind of worked, okay? They had a way to take care of their poor. It's a little bit different than what we do. Instead of, um, you know, based on income and all those, what they would do is when it was time for harvest, when it was time for harvest, they would go out and the harvester would, would gather the wheat or the barley. At this point, it was the barley. And any of the grains that would slip out of the hands of the harvester, they couldn't go back and gather. They had to leave it. Which then would allow for people that didn't have access to, a, to land, didn't have the, the, uh, the equipment or the manpower to, to, to plant a garden, to have food brought. They can then go in that field and all the grain that was left, which wouldn't be a whole lot, but whatever was left, they could follow behind those harvesters and they could gather all the barley that they could carry. Pretty good system, huh? And so, so that's what Ruth had to do. That Ruth had to go into the fields of someone she didn't know. Listen, trusting God because she's an outsider and outsiders don't have the same protections as insiders. You understand that, right? They probably look there and go, "You're not from around here, are you?" <laughs> if you ever hear that, you're, you're you may not be very safe. <laughs> you're not from around here, are you? At, at the really no no man to stand up for her on her behalf. And she's going out and she's going to go into the fields and she's going to gather this barley, not, not just enough for the day, but try to gather enough barley for her and Naomi to live until the next harvest. So really, mighty women, as we see this, they are loyal, they trust God, and because they're loyal and trust God, mighty women mighty women are a blessing. Mighty women are a blessing. To those people around them, they bless so here's, here's Ruth, even though Ruth didn't recognize it, even though she didn't want to admit it, even though she wanted to, to just wallow in her misery God had given. Uh, Naomi, this mighty woman in her life called Ruth, that said, wherever you go, I will go. Whoever your God is is going to be my God. In fact, I'm going to be buried next to you. I love you so much, I'm going to be buried next to you. Some of you don't want to even be in the same room with your mother-in-law. Much less be buried next to them. So here's, here's Ruth. A blessing to Naomi, someone who would be there through thick or thin. Someone who would make sure she would eat. Now, as we look through the book of Ruth, and I would encourage you to read the entire book, we see this this loyalty, this trust that she placed in God, and the blessing that she was uh, to Naomi throughout the whole book. But we also see that she trusted God. We also see the faithful hand of God. Because here's what happens. When Ruth goes and gathers this barley that was left, she happens, let's put that in quotation marks, happens to end up in the field of a man named Boaz. Now, you may not recognize that name if you weren't here last week, but Boaz is the son of Rahab. And Boaz, obviously, has done well for himself. He owns a field, and he has planted the field, and now is harvesting. he has men out there harvesting. And in fact, when he shows up, God had placed a desire in his heart far Ruth before he even knew it, because as soon as he walks up, he goes, hold on, who is that woman? Who's that girl? Who's in my field? Wait a minute. It could have been a, you know, as you see on the, on the movies where the clouds opened and the light size down, and it was a whoo moment. But Boaz is like, I've got to talk to her, and and in fact, he eats lunch with her and sends her home with all the leftovers. And Naomi's like, Hold on, wait a second, who who did this? What's going on here? Something different's happening here. She said, the only place I want you to go gather barley for now on is at this guy's field. I don't want you to go to anybody else's field. This is the only field I want you to go to. This is the guy that I I want you to be around because obviously he really likes you. So she goes, and and in fact, Boaz says, listen, I know that you drop a little. He's telling his workers, I know you drop a little bit of barley, some of the grain, And you know, some of the guys are probably like, Oh, are you getting in trouble? He goes, I want you to drop a little more for her. How about that? I want you to drop a little more for her. And he did it in a way that she could still have her dignity. He didn't just give it to her, he didn't just hand it, but he made it so that she could have more than she needed. More than she needed. And the story goes on that. Boaz and, and, and Ruth, here they are, she's starting to see this relationship develop, and Naomi now gives her some advice. Now, people differ on this. People think that the tradition was different, but let me just, this is what Naomi said. Listen, said, Ruth they're going to be threshing the wheat out. That means taking the bad parts out and leaving the grains. They're going to be threshing it out. They're going to be doing this all night. They're going to be working on it. In fact, they're going to sleep in the, where they're threshing the wheat. And when they do, I want you to go sleep at his, or lay at his feet. Now, here's where people differ. Some people believe that she, Naomi told her to offer herself to Boaz, and physically, other people say it's a tradition in its way to say, hey, I really like you, and I would love for you to be my protector. I would love for you to marry me. Either way, either way, Ruth is saying, Boaz, I'm into you. I really like you. Now, Boaz is this is this stand-up guy, though, and so Boaz doesn't do anything with her. In fact, this is why some people believe that uh, the biggest reason people believe that uh, she was offering himself, herself to him physically, because said, he said, look, get out of here before anybody sees you. We don't want people talking about you. We want your reputation intact. So she goes, and he starts to make, he goes, I want to marry her. But Jewish law says that there's this person called the kinsman redeemer. And it's the person that can marry her and redeem the family land. Buy the family land. So to marry her, he has to buy the family land, and marry. So, but he finds out that there's this one guy that's a closer relation to her than him. Okay, then then not her, but to the her husband. So she go. He goes to the city gate and he finds him. He says, "Listen, if you don't marry her, I am." And the guy's like, "I think I want to marry." He goes, "If you marry, you got to buy all this land." He's like, "I can't afford that. (laughs) She's too expensive." Boaz said, I got it. I've been saving up. Girls, y'all listen to this. I've been saving up for the right one. And so then he does a weird thing and gives a shoe to them. They exchange shoes. But that was a way to show contract. So they signed a contract. And Boaz goes and gets his woman. And in Ruth chapter 4, listen. Ruth chapter 4. Man, that time's flying. All right, Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13, it tells us this. So Boaz married Ruth. Why did he marry her? Well, let's go back. Because she was loyal, because she trusted God, and she was a blessing to Naomi. The only way that she meets Boaz is because she was loyal to Naomi and moved to Bethlehem. She trusted God that he would provide for her, and God does meets Boaz, the son of Rahab, and in 13 again. So Boaz married Ruth. Then he slept with her, because they were married. The Lord blessed her so that she became pregnant, and she had a son. The woman said to Naomi, uh, or the women said to Naomi, We praise the Lord today. He has provided a family protector, or the kinsman redeemer. A family protector for you. May this child become famous and all, all over Israel. He will make your life new again. He will take care of you when you're old. You remember she had no way to be taken care of when she's old, but now she has a grandson. He's the son of your very own, a very own daughter-in-law. She loves you. She is better. Listen to this. She is better to you than seven sons. Remember what she said when she started? I'm empty. I don't have anything. And now the women around, because Ruth was loyal because she trusted God, the women says that Ruth, that you thought you had nothing, what you thought was empty hands, actually was better than seven of the sons that you had before. Listen to this, and then sixteen. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and took care of him. Uh, The women living there said, Naomi has a son. They they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Mighty women see the faithfulness of God. When you're loyal to, to what God's called you to be loyal to, even in the hard times and the difficult times, when you're loyal and you're faithful in that, then you get to see the faithfulness of God. When you're, when you're loyal, when, when it doesn't seem like you should be, God shows himself to be faithful. And in that, God gives mighty women a future. Where Naomi and Ruth, neither one had a future because of the faithfulness and the loyalty that, that, uh, that Ruth showed Naomi in her God. And the trust that she placed in God God then gave her her and Naomi a future. Gave her a son. And in fact, this son would be uh, the great uh, or the grandfather of David. Would be the grandfather of David. And so God gives mighty women a future. The world will tell you if you're loyal in the hard situations that you will be destroyed. But what we see in Scripture is that if you're loyal in the hard times, that God will give you a future where you have no future. And then mighty women help others see the faithfulness of God. Without Ruth, Naomi would still be bitter. She would have died a bitter woman. Without Ruth, Naomi would have been... Bitter and hateful and probably cursing God where we see her in the first chapter where she's almost there. Cursing God in her old age. But because of Ruth, because of a mighty woman that come alongside her, she, that helped her see the faithfulness of God, we see her at the end saying, and the women saying, You now have a new life and a new future. God has been faithful to you, Naomi. And in this, we want us, or I really want you to see that really, Jesus is the greater Ruth. I know it's hard to think about, sometimes we like to think about, like Jesus is the greater David, Jesus is the greater Abraham, but Jesus is also the greater Ruth. without Ruth, Naomi has nothing. Without Jesus, you have nothing. Without Naomi, there are or without Ruth, Naomi has nowhere to be taken care of. Without Jesus, you have no way to be taken care of. Jesus is the greater Ruth that, is if you look, has all the characteristics that we talked about. Jesus is loyal. Scripture says he sticks closer than a brother, and he's also faithful to us why we are still enemies to him. When we hate him, he still loves us. When we tell him to get away and leave us, and we don't want to depart, or we don't want you around us, so depart from us, get away from us. I don't want anything to do with us. He still pursues us. He, he works in a field of His fathers to, to take care of us. He came to a land that was different. He left heaven to come to earth, to work in a field, to provide nourishment for us. Where scripture tells us that he became, not only did he gather wheat, but he became the living bread. And if we eat the living bread of Jesus Christ, that we have life. He came to a field that was not his own. You can also see Jesus is the greater Boaz in this story. Where when we showed up broke, we had nothing that the greater Boaz Jesus provided food and a way for us and ultimately he came alongside a foreigner and married her and gave her a future the same way jesus came alongside of us a foreigner ones outside the promises of god and in the scripture says he became our groom so what do we do and what do we see in all this one if we're going to be like our Father, if we're going to be like our Jesus, we have to learn to be loyal we've got to learn to stand beside people when it's hard and the world tells you that when it, especially in our culture today that when it gets hard or when people get cancelled, you leave them on the side of the road that you're done with them that you're finished with them that that when they' they you know they're caught in a a sin and that you leave them to fend for themselves and scripture says and shows us here through the story of Ruth that we learn we need to learn to be loyal that when everything else and when everyone else has abandoned someone that we stand beside them even when we have nothing to gain in fact even when it cost us something Are you willing to stand beside somebody and maybe even invite them out to eat with you? And if people see you all together, you know that your reputation will be tainted. Are you willing to be a Ruth? I don't don't know. Jesus did the same thing. I mean, Jesus is the, the greater Ruth, isn't he? He goes into the house of sinners. In fact, so much so that the religious leader says, man, all he does is eat with sinners. Jesus was willing to have his earthly reputation tainted somewhat in order to show his loyalty and his love to the people around him. Are you willing to trust that God will take care of you even in the the middle of the greatest hardships of life? Me and God had this discussion a few weeks ago. And, And it's almost like the rich young ruler Tell the truth, most of us in here are the rich rich young ruler like we have everything like, we got a nice place to stay in and you're right like, my place isn't nice if it has air conditioning, and if it's dry it's nice. You got cars that you, you get you from one place to another and not just one suit of clothes but several suits you, you probably don't worry about eating anywhere you, or having a meal today or, uh, in fact you're probably going to eat more than More than two meals today, along with snacks. In fact, we live such a rich life that we're not even going to drink just plain water. We're going to drink some flavor drink. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm coming down on me because me and the Lord had this conversation. He said, and here's what he said to me. And it was the question, really, if you lost it all, everything everything. Like Naomi. Like Ruth. Because Ruth has lost everything too. Do you still trust me? That's the question if you lose it all. do Do you still show up Sunday to sing the song about how great God is? Do you still, like Ruth, say, Naomi, I know that you follow a god that is powerful and wherever you go I'll go If everything falls to pieces and you lose your family do you still trust God Or do you retreat to the to the darkness to the Sin, do you retreat to a place where nobody can see? Or do you become one in the midst of a struggle who is faithful to God? And in the end, you trust that even though right now, right in the middle of the situation that you're in, right in the middle of all the loss, do you trust that God will give you a future? Do you trust that in the middle of the loss that God will still be faithful and is still faithful even in the middle of the loss? And then finally, for us today, mighty women are made mighty by the power of God. And why is that important? Because of what we just said. Ruth wasn't mighty because she had influence, because she didn't. Ruth isn't a mighty woman because she had money, because she didn't have any. Ruth was not a mighty woman because she could walk and she owned all this land. And you're like, but you talked about how Boaz had to buy the land. Yeah, he had to redeem the land because the land had been lost. He had to pay somebody else to buy the land back. That's why it's called redeem. He had to redeem. She didn't have anything. She had no, no cash, nothing. Ruth is a mighty woman for really one reason. She trusted God. That's that's all. That's the only thing she had. She trusted the Lord. And because she trusted, she was loyal and a blessing. Because she trusted, she has a book in the Bible named after her. The book's not called Boaz. The book's not called Naomi. It's called Ruth. called Ruth because she trusted the Lord to leave everything and go after her with her whole heart after God. And then she was brought into the promise of God. She was excluded from, and she was outside of the promise of God, but then she was brought into the promise of God because she trusted God. And she trusted God when she had nothing. Nothing. It's really challenged me. It's easy to trust God when you have all. When you have plenty. When you have everything. But it's really hard to trust him. And I don't even know. I've never been there. But I imagine it's really hard to trust him. When you don't have anything. And as I was finishing up really with Ruth. As I was... Just thinking about this idea of following God and trusting Him when we have nothing, to be a blessing, to be loyal when you have nothing, and to stand with people in hard situations, okay? It reminded me of just a story that's in the New Testament. It tells us that one day Jesus had just kind of sat back and He was watching as people gave. I mean, y'all probably know this story and then they had this big it's like this horn almost and you would throw your money in it make lots of noise because everybody wanted everybody know I'm giving lots of money and Jesus just watching and people's giving and then it tells us there's this little old I don't know if she's old but just a little lady probably a whole lot like Ruth and a whole lot like Naomi with maybe nobody to take care of because she had such a little amount. And usually the one that would give would be the man of the family. And so this woman probably didn't have a man to take care of her the same way that you see Naomi and Ruth. And so here she comes. And the scripture talks about she gave for us closest things we can think of like pennies, two pennies. And Jesus, did you see that? Guys, did you see that? And they're all like, what are you talking about? Like, you're talking about the guy that gave, you know, the gold coins before? Now, we don't know if that's what happened, but we just know they're giving, okay? This is just a little, little bit of artistic freedom here, okay? The guy who gave some, the gold coins? Or the guy who gave a handful of the silver coins? No! Did you see what that lady gave? I saw her get two pennies. What'd you see? I just saw two pennies too. I don't know what he's talking about. She gave two pennies. They're confused. She gave more than anybody else here. She gave, listen to this, everything she had. And Jesus said this, they gave out of their abundance. And she gave out of her need. Man. Wouldn't it be amazing if if our faith would change? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about just our lives. Wouldn't it be amazing if we would start to be like a Ruth, like this this lady, this widow here that gave just the two pennies? Wouldn't it be amazing if we would give so much, everything, That we would just stop giving out of our abundance. Like, like we only give, like, we say, I can, man, I can give 30 minutes a week. I don't give an hour a week. But then we binge watch like 12 hours of some show at night. Wouldn't it be amazing if we would be like a Ruth and we would see somebody in need, like a Naomi down the street, and we'd be willing to, to give hours of our life? just to make sure that this Naomi's taken care of and that this Naomi has what she needs to eat. This Naomi has what she needs spiritually. In our mind, wouldn't it be something if it would change and we would have this faith of Ruth or this faith of this widow woman and we would give everything to the place where we're sitting down, we have something to eat and we can decide this. We can decide, okay, I'm going to eat or I can call up a friend or I can go see somebody I know that that needs to hear the gospel. Or I can go and visit with somebody that's in the hospital or I can go to the prison. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? Because Jesus said... Hey, you blessed me one time. You gave me something to eat. You gave me something to drink. You come and saw me when I was sick. And you come and saw me in the prison. And, Jesus, and were, we're all the people were asking Jesus, when do we do that? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm, I'm afraid that we've become the rich people throwing our abundance in to the horn and we're going, look at me, look at me. So much so that, that, that something has started to just turn in my stomach. And it may be, it may, this may not bother you, but it's starting to bother me that we, we can't do anything good for anybody without taking a, a selfie. Like, here, I'm going to give this poor person some, some money. I'm going to give them something to eat. But let me take a picture with them. I want everybody to know what I'm doing. I Man, school's going to start. And wouldn't it be amazing if you found a kid, not, not through a program, not through, but a kid that you know, and you become a Ruth, and you buy a backpack, and you put all, not, not the cheap stuff neither, not the cheap stuff. I mean the good stuff. And you're putting the good stuff in that backpack, and, and then you take it to their house, and you say, look, I don't know if you have money, if you don't. I just want to bless you. Here's a backpack full of school supplies. Or you talk to a kid and you find out, hey, what, what, what size shoes do you wear? What's your favorite brand? Man, I really want, let me, look, can I do this? And you talk to the parents, right? Like, can I take, man, can I take your son out? I want to take him to go eat lunch and I want to go buy him some shoes. Is that cool with you? <clears throat> hey, I'm going to go fishing this weekend. You don't want to go fishing because it's burning up hot. I'm going to go fishing this weekend. Will you go fishing with me? And you become a Ruth and you become loyal trusting that God is more than a television show or your bank account trusting that God is is more than what you eat and what you wear what would it look like when that happens if we had rooms full of of Ruth's man it would change the county or even this. Okay, last thing, okay, or even this. You just you know somebody that's struggling. you just like, hey, I don't drink coffee, but some of y'all do drink coffee and you're just like, hey, let's fix a pot of coffee and let's talk. Let's talk. I don't know what God's telling you to do and I mean, I have a stirring in my heart of what God wants me to do. And I'm not going to put that on you because of what he tells me and what he tells you is two different things. And so it could be totally, this can look totally different. How you are Ruth in somebody's life can look totally different. But I'm going to trust that the Lord is speaking to you and coming alongside you, telling you, leading you what you need to do. And you have your Naomi in your mind. Who's your Naomi? It's going to cost me something. Yeah, it's going to cost you something. Are you willing to do it? Church, stand. Lord, Father, I pray right now. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done in my life this week. Last two weeks, three weeks, really. Lord, let us become a people of our population of roofs. Man, we we come to a place and we see a, a person struggling and man, we got we got money in our pocket. And we're willing to. To give, to share with a Naomi. Even though they're bitter and angry at you. Even though they've lost everything in this life. And they have no way to take care of themselves. Lord, let us be a a Ruth that would reach into our pocket and turn around and say, I'm going to eat a sandwich tonight instead of going out to eat. So that the, this man can maybe have a, a roof over his, house, or over his head tonight. Or a hot meal to eat. And God, I get it. I know. I, I, man, I struggle with it, God. I'm going to tell you, I struggle with the idea. Because what, what happens, God... What happens if if they use it for all the wrong things? God help us to, to, to help us to see people with your eyes. Help us to see that we're just a steward, that we don't own anything. It's all yours. You you determine how we spend your your money. You determine how we spend Your time because the only reason I'm standing on this stage is because You make my heart beat and You fill my lungs with air. Lord, let us see people that are are hurting and go and spend time with them. Make a phone call. Let us be a a Ruth. God, change our hearts. I'm going to admit my heart is so hard and jaded towards people. I shouldn't even say it that way. God, I'm so selfish. I want to use my time, my money, my effort, my skills on myself too often, too much. Lord, help me to get God focused. Let me put my eyes on you. Let me trust you. Above all else, let me trust you and the. Lord grow me to be the widow. that would put it all in the horn into the plate. Let me be a Ruth that would leave everything and everyone to show your love to one person. Let me be like you. I love the idea where you left the 99 to to find the one. But God, I'm going to tell you, I'm too worried about the 99 friends. I'm I'm hanging out with them. wanting to talk to them. And the one, they're wandered off. That's in my mind, God. Help me to see it different. Help me to understand it differently. Help me to see them like you see them. Help me to love them like you love them. God, do a work in us.